thank you for listening in to our prayer casts from AfriChrist Prayer Ministries, the ministry that reaches out to the busy person, the millennials, the professionals of all fields, and to the under-churched, uh, often unreached people. We believe the scripture that says that the steps of a righteous person are ordered of the Lord. We also believe, just like Jesus did, and the disciples, Paul and the prophets of old, that our prayers should have impact every time. And so we believe in praying with impact in our ministry. Jesus never prayed a prayer that failed, and he never sent out a command that didn't achieve its intended purpose. He prayed and commanded with words of impact. We are confident that the Bible-based prayer principles that we teach never fail. The Bible says that God's word never comes back to him void. If our prayers are initiated of the Holy Spirit, as it says in Romans 8, then they will never come back void to us. Uh, we would also appreciate if you recommend our app, Afri Christ, to your friends. This app can be downloaded from the Apple App Store and also the Google Play Store, and it reaches out to people like you. Thank you once again, and may God bless you as you're listening. Hello, prayer friends. Welcome once again to our prayer cast. This is Sam Kawisa, your host, and we are going to be discussing a topic that is uh, in season, and this is the season of Easter, as you know, Resurrection Day. So we're going to be talking about death. Can you imagine? We'll be talking about death. But before we do that, I want to remind you that we can be found almost everywhere on the internet. All you're going to do is Google our ministry name, AfriChristPodcast.com, and you go to either our website or you'll be given other uh, opportunities to use whatever platform you want. For example, you can use Apple Podcasts, Google a Podcast, Podbean Podcast, Spotify, Amazon Alexa, Pandora, TuneIn Radio, or even iHeartRadio, and so many others on the internet. I encourage you to do that. Also, I'd like to remind you that our podcast can be found using our app. We have a free app which can be downloaded from the Google Play Store or from the Apple App Store. It is free, but it's a container app. In other words, it has all our information, everything that you need to get from us, and there's a lot of information there. You can go to uh, our blog, which has the transcripts of our podcast, including this one. In fact, it's already posted. Uh, you can get the download for our book, which is uh, on Apple Books, and it's an interactive book, very interesting book. I don't even want to call it a book. It's a tool because it can be used for you to understand more about prayer. Every word in that tool is uh, a hyperlinked so you can hyperlink to within the book for uh, more uh, answers to questions or you can hyperlink to the internet if you do want to get you know more information and then it will take you right back to where you were when you're reading the book so i encourage you to do that we are a ministry that is trying to reach a people that usually are unreachable people who are busy people who are millennials people who are very techno, people who say they don't quote-unquote have time. We provide time for you. We do the research so you don't have to do the work. So even these teachings about prayer, they help you. Some of these people who download our podcast, they haven't been to church. They've never been to church. Or they just work so much, they don't get time to go to church. We reach such people and we teach them how to interact with God, the Almighty. Okay, so please 
thank you for the support you give us in our ministry by downloading our podcast and also are recommending other people to do the same. We are eternally very grateful. Okay? Now our topic for today is going to be facing life, dying, death and resurrection in Christ. And you're going to find this information also on our blog as I said before. Now let's go ahead right into the meat of this so we can get done with it. I want this to be a short podcast, okay? Jesus was a public person. His teaching always revolved around people. And he sought out people in their spaces, for example, of tax collectors and sinners in Matthew 9, 10 through 17. Jesus mixed with people, but he never let them influence him. Rather, he ended up influencing the people for good. Similarly, we as believers should never fear to interact with those that we need to show who Christ is. Many times those people are outside of our safe spaces. Today, such spaces are on the internet, on social media. But of course, like in every instance, use godly wisdom and judgment when you're mixing into those kind of things. Don't just go to anything on the internet. As I was contemplating this Easter message, I was struck by a link. There's a, a forum that I belong to that was of my high school. There's a doctor and he has his own blog and he gave us a link to that blog because he had lost a friend, he was kind of distraught about it in the sense that he said this was something that was preventable. This person should not have died this way. It was an easy operation they were supposed to be doing. Now, I give the uh, link on, on our blog so you can just go there and click and just read it and see what he's talking about. But what it did for me it uh, made me think about death and how Jesus says, for us who are believers, it doesn't matter when we go, the sting of death is no longer. He was basically lamenting the lack of necessary medical care in the situation of this death. He attributed it to poor use of resources, basically, tantamount to abuse and negligence of those interested with the care of the sick. He himself, you know, is a doctor, so death is nothing new to him. So his statement that I quote below is not like a denial that death can occur, but rather the timing and the occurrence of this death. He's not really saying people shouldn't die because he has seen death in his own practice, but he's just saying that some of this is preventable. And he is more about the timing and the use of the resources. Okay, so don't misunderstand for him why he's saying this person shouldn't have died. The scriptures show us that there's a purposeful way of transitioning in life. Death is not something that we should be afraid of. It's a way to transition in our lives. And death in Christ leads to resurrection. God wants us to look at death through the eye of Christ because we have been walking the walk that Christ left us with. On this resurrection day, we're going to look at this from a different angle, that Jesus conquered death, even as he said. Now, before I do that, I'd like to read you part of the post that uh, this uh, doctor wrote on his blog so you can see where I'm coming from. He was defiant about death itself. But for me, knowing him, I know he was defiant as a Christian in the sense that death should not control us. We should control death to a point. And you'll see what I mean. This is what he wrote. I refuse to accept death's power over us and I yield no ground in the fight against it. When we accept death with the attitude that it just happens, 
we forego the opportunity to do everything humanly possible to prevent it or to defer it. See, what he's basically saying that God has given us the power and authority and the knowledge to defer death. That is humanly possible. That's why we do resuscitations when someone falls and we just don't say, oh, he just had a heart attack and we're not going to do anything. No, we go through resuscitation and before you know it, that person is back to life. Yet in situations or in places where there's no availability of uh, CPR, then that person could die. Now, that's what he's saying. That's his angle is that, we can do everything humanly possible. And when that person goes, then we know we've done everything based on the knowledge and the facilities and the resources that God has given us to save life. Now, don't forget, even Jesus said that only a sick person goes to see a physician. So that means Jesus acknowledged medicine. Jesus could just touch someone and they come back to life. But we are human beings who are given another way of sustaining and maintaining life, okay? That's where this uh, gentleman was uh, coming from, at least the way I understood it. He was defiant in that sense. But when we have the defiance based on what we are going to read, then we know that we are accepting the fact that Jesus overcame death at Calvary, okay? Now, from this defiance against the neutralized power of death, by a Christian physician, let us explore the dilution of the sting of death by Jesus Christ in the scriptures, okay, that we are going to go through. First, let us review God's plan. God has a plan for life. Once you understand that God has a plan for us in life, then you will understand this defiance. Now, this plan is in many places, but now I like to use Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, and it goes like this. For I know the plans and thoughts that I have for you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you, and you will seek me and find me in that day when you search for me with all your heart. So God is saying that I have a plan for you and it's for good and not for evil, plan to make you succeed. And so when we approach life knowing that God has a plan for us, then we look at life differently, even when we are sick or when people others are sick, or we look at other people's lives very differently. Clearly, God has a plan for our lives up to and including the events that would lead to our transition which we otherwise call death. If we seek God's advice, even as we chart our course in life, God gives us a path despite our human and usually sinful imperfections, okay? God has a plan for us. A good example is the way the founding fathers of the United States of America sought God. We all know that these were imperfect people not unlike many other leaders and politicians all over the world. But because they chose to ask God for guidance, he gave them the utterance of the statements that became the very formative foundation of the American nation. Now, why do I say that? We have to seek God for the plan he has for our lives. Each one of us, he has a plan for us. That's what he says in Jeremiah 29, 11, that I know the thoughts and the plans I have for you and they are for good and not for evil. God wants us to succeed. So even when we are ill or sick, 
if someone else is sick and you are the one in charge of them remember one thing god has a plan for them a plan of treatment a plan of way out of this okay so that's where my friend was coming from that this was an unnecessary death we did not uh put that plan in place and if we were working and helping these people if we do not abuse the resources that we are supposed to have to help people in simple operations because this patient went for a simple operation in this hospital there was no need for death if they did everything that their medicine requires them to do now that's where he's coming from when he says that you know he refuses he refuses to uh, uh to give one ground to death and that's the way we should be we should refuse to give one ground to death up until that time we will understand later on what Jesus did when he said i'm not giving ground to death but he went farther than what we are talking about and you're going to see that you know um now in the book of hebrews it says this uh, in chapter 9 verse 26 through 28 It tells us that God had to sacrifice the lamb without blemishes who is his own son to spare the rest of us and so we're going to see that um God has already put the plan in place remember he said that I know the plans I have for you they are for good and not for evil he already has a plan for us to conquer death God does not want us to spill the blood of another person okay otherwise you know Christ would have died in vain in fact uh, in uh, hebrews uh, that chapter 9 verse 26 says this otherwise christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world but he has appeared once for all at the culmination of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself just as the people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many and he will appear a second time not to bear sin but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him so who are those waiting for him those are the ones who have accepted the plan of god the plan of salvation because they will be the ones who are going to um show that Jesus overcame death because they will be waiting for him some of them will have to rise from the natural death as we know it and the bible tells us that when he comes like a twinkling of an eye then the, all the graves will be opened now Cain recorded the first death by spilling the uh, innocent blood of his brother but God even with that God could have let others kill Cain but no instead he dealt with it in a different manner god has given man a life that has value now even though we need deliverance for sin because we are not perfect but our lives are lives of value to god god went on to protect even cain's own life the first murderer recorded in the bible god went on to protect him now cain was scared he was worried that you know oh now i'm going to be killed by all these people because god found him out in genesis 4 uh verse 14 through 15 it says this 
This is Cain now complaining to God. Can you imagine? He just killed his brother, but now he's so scared that the people around him are going to dish the same to him. But to show the sanctity of life, this uh, you know, you'll see what God says. Now Cain goes to him and says, "Oh, today you are driving me from the land, and I'll be hidden from your presence. I'll be a restless wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me." But the Lord said to him, "Not so." Anyone who kills Cain will suffer vengeance seven times over. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one who found him would kill him. Now, look at this. God is here protecting a murderer, and he says anyone who touches him will get seven times more. He says in the Bible elsewhere that God says, "Vengeance shall be mine." Vengeance shall be mine. He knows how to avenge for the loss of life, and he knows why he avenges for the loss of life. We should leave it up to God. Okay. Now Hebrew nine above shows us that only one person was appointed to die through the abuse of power and and violence, and it was on the cross. That's what we are talking about this week and this weekend. but he wanted to show us that Jesus the man he came to destroy death to take the sting out of death by himself dying and then as we know resurrecting okay so he is the only one who triumphed over death and god wanted us to see it through his actions now if you look in genesis 22:9 through 14 God demonstrated for for us that even when he asks for human sacrifice it's not for us to be the sacrifice but the man Jesus now what do i mean by that remember he told Abraham that he i want you to give me your son as a sacrifice and he told him to go to the mountain and he will show him what to do Now that may seem like well isn't that a contradiction no it's not a contradiction he was going to show us that even when he asks us for a sacrifice there's only one human sacrifice when he reached this the place and the time of sacrifice he would not let him spill the blood of his only son Isaac because it was reserved for God's only son Jesus if God had left Isaac to be sacrificed then there would be a duplication in the blood of sacrifice that of Isaac and that of Jesus but God wanted only one blood the incorruptible blood of Jesus Christ to be the only one to be the human sacrifice for us and for all sin because his was incorruptible remember why is it incorruptible now uh medically The blood of the mother does not mix with that of the fetus. So Mary's blood never mixes with that of fetus Jesus. Because remember, Jesus was conceived of the Holy Spirit, he wasn't conceived of man. If he had been conceived of man and Mary, then we would have human blood in Jesus. But the blood of Jesus, which is made by the uh, fetus itself the blood of the, the the child does not come from the mother rather it's 
made from within the genes of the child that God planted through the cells of the child themselves, not the mother at all. And so you're going to see that there's no mixture of the two bloods of the man, the blood of the child, and the blood of the mother. Now we know that Jesus was conceived of the Holy Spirit, not of Joseph or man. So there's no mixture of the two. That's why it's called the incorruptible blood of Jesus. Now, when they reached the place of sacrifice that God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on the top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand to, uh, and took out the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to harm him. Now I know that you fear God, because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. So you see, God was testing Abraham for himself to show that he really was dedicated to God and his sacrifice of Anything that God asks of him, he would do. God is showing us that, you know, the obedience is better than the sacrifice, as the Bible says, because he wanted him to obey, going up to the point where God would provide. Remember in the story, um, Abraham somehow knew that God is going to provide because Isaac told him, he said, Dad, I see we got everything here, but where is the lamb? And what did Abraham say? He told him, Jehovah Jireh, God will provide. So somehow in his spirit, Abraham knew that God is going to provide. Now, the gift that changed the perception of life focused our purposes on Christ. Now, we're going to find out that God had that gift of sacrifice and that all this time, it's going to focus on Christ because all through the Old Testament, there were all these sacrifices. And this is the only time that God asked that a human being be sacrificed. But when it came to the point of sacrifice, God says, don't do it. Don't harm him. Because that suffering was meant for Christ. Because the Bible, what does the Bible say? That he was wounded for our transgressions, okay? That they led him to um, uh, to the altar like... Oh, uh, to be killed like a lamb, but he said nothing. He did not complain because Jesus knew the purpose of the reason why he had to go through the violence of the cross. He is the only one who is born to suffer violence uh, um, at the cross for the sake of humanity. This is the gift that changed our perception of life and it focused entirely on the purposes of Christ the purpose of Christ to come and save us as the sacrifice with the blood that was spilled, with the blood on Calvary, with the blood that we are celebrating this season. Now, don't forget again, in all the sacrifices of the Bible, in the Old Testament and even in the New Testament, God was focusing our attention to the eventual sacrifice of the innocent and incorruptible blood of Jesus Christ at the cross. That's where our focus is supposed to be going. The cross 
Calvary, the grave, and the resurrection. That is where our focus is. All through the Bible, all from the beginning, the only sacrifice that God wanted us to focus on was that of Jesus Christ, which was the new testament, the new covenant. After that, everything changed. That's when, when we accept the Lord Jesus Christ, everything becomes new. Even death and our perception of it changes. This is what I mean when I say that um, you are going to see there's going to be a difference after we go through this. Now, in 2 Corinthians 5, um, 15 through 16, it says this. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ, who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. And all this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. That is a very powerful statement. This is a gift that has refocused our attention away from the sacrifices of animals, away from the sacrifices of work, away from all those things so that we, we concentrate on Christ because he has done all the footwork. He has done all the sacrificing that we could ever do. God wants obedience from us because he says that obedience is better than sacrifice. Why? Because he has given us the ultimate sacrifice of his son. He will not let Abraham sacrifice his only son. Instead, God wanted to be the one to sacrifice his only son. Otherwise, we would have said, oh, Abraham also compromised, I mean, uh, sacrificed and then we would have gone oh for me i'm for abraham you be for god no god wanted it to be just jesus to be sacrificed it's the ultimate gift that he gave us so what we are going through this season this uh these few days of easter this week we are going through god is god is taking through how this gift of Jesus Christ came about. See, many times we look at the gift of Jesus at his birth, which is important, okay? Christmas is important. That's when he gave us his only begotten son. But guess what? Why did he give us his only begotten son? He gave it him to us in this verse. He explains it in Second Corinthians 5.15. He explains uh, the introduction of Jesus at Christmas in this uh, verse. This is the plan of God all from the beginning. He said, let's read it again. Second Corinthians 5, 15 through 16. He says this. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ, who died and was raised for them, so they have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How how differently we now we know Him now, and all this is a gift 
from God. Remember the gift at Christmas? Who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. This is our only task now, to reconcile people back to him, to show them this gift that God gave us, to show us how we overcame death, to show us that even though this body will be killed one way or another, through sickness, through torture, through malpractice, whatever it may be, he has given us the gift of Christ for those of us who know him, that regardless of when we go, how we go, as long as we accept him as our Lord and Savior, we are going to be people because we are going to be a different kind of people, and I'll show you that. Now, let me show you some examples of transition of those people, even in the Old Testament, who had given them Uh, themselves to the Lord. Okay? Yes, that is before Jesus Christ, but remember everything in the Bible points to Jesus Christ. The sacrifice points to Jesus. The blood points to Jesus. Okay? Death points to Jesus. Even torture points to Jesus so that we can have a life of transition into the other life. Now, say for example, let's take Jacob uh, in Genesis 49, 29 through 31. It says this. Then he charged them. This is Jacob. Okay, uh, let me give you a little background. Jacob had uh, was about to die and he called his children and he had told them everything that's going to happen to each one of them. And now here he was charging them with what to do after he's gone. Okay, then he charged them and said to them, I am to be gathered to my people, bury me in my fathers, with my fathers in the cave that is in the field of Ephron at the Hittite. In the cave that is in the field of Machpelah, which is before Mamre, in the land of Canaan, which Abraham bought with the field of Ephron, the Hittite, as a possession for the bur- for a burial place. There they buried Abraham and Sarah his wife. There they buried Isaac and Rebekah his wife. And there I buried Leah. And when Jacob had finished commanding his sons, he drew his his feet up into the bed and breathed his last and was gathered to his people. Now look at that. This man was done. This man shows us what it means to take the sting out of death. Here he's talking with authority, telling them what to do, telling them what's going to happen. He had given a prophecy on each and every one of his children. He's told them what's going to happen to them after he's gone. He's telling them what to do. He gives them a little history of who is buried in this place. Now, see what he does? He drew his feet up into the bed and breathed his last. Tell me, there is no sting of death. Jacob had no sting of death. He could not feel it. He just went and slept and rested. That is transition that God wants us to have as far as death is concerned. Let me give you another one. Stephen, he was being stoned. It looks painful, painful. They were stoning him because of his faith. They were stoning him because of his testimony of Jesus Christ. He was one of the first, if not the first, martyr to be killed for Christ. 
Now, this is what the Bible says. <laughs> it's amazing. It says this of Stephen. As they stoned him to death, like Jesus, Stephen forgave them. He forgave his tormentors. The sting of death was removed when he forgave. Because the Bible says he slept. When you forgive your tormentors, when you forgive those who are torturing you, when you forgive those people who have squandered the resources to treat you, God transitions you to a point where there is no sting in death. Let's read it. Acts chapter 7 verse 55 through 56 and 59 through 60. It says this, But he being full of the Holy Spirit gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And he stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he what? He fell asleep. Look at that. He said to Jesus, Lord, receive my spirit. But then the Bible says, with a loud voice, so that they can all hear this. He said, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. In other words, he forgave them. And when he said this, what does the Bible say? And when he said this, he fell asleep. Don't forget, he was being stoned. He, was, he had blood all over him. He had rocks being thrown at him. But when he forgave them, the Bible says he fell asleep. Listen, forgiveness is part of this season of Easter, of resurrection. Remember Jesus forgave? He said himself, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. And Stephen was the first one after Jesus to say the same thing. He said, forgive them. What happened when Jesus said, forgive them? He, was, he conquered death. What happened in this case when Stephen said, forgive them? He fell asleep. How could he feel, uh, uh, fell, uh, fall asleep? He fell asleep because the sting of death, after he forgave them, was taken out. He just went to sleep. With all them rocks being thrown at him, he went to sleep. My friend, regardless of what you're going through, the Bible says, let me read it to you again. What did we say earlier? That our command right now is so that we can reconcile who? People back to God. Remember we read that uh, in, uh, what was that? 2 Corinthians 5. What did we read? It said this. Okay. And God has given us the task of reconciling what? People to him. So what did Stephen do? What did Stephen do? He is here reconciling these people back to God by saying, forgive them. And then the Bible says, he fell asleep. Because that's what takes a sting out of death. So my friends, even when we are suffering, even when people have squandered the, the money to build hospitals, 
the money to build clinics out there in the villages of Africa and the villages of Asia. And, uh, even though the hospitals in Ukraine have been all bombed, if those Ukrainians know Christ and they forgive at that last minute before their last breath, they will take the sting out of death this Easter. That's how we take this, uh, the sting out of death. You forgive. Okay? Let, let us take another one who took the sting out of death. This is Paul. Famous Paul. Look what it says. <laughs> you know, Paul was prepared to die. He had done his work. In fact, for me, I like to say that Paul ran the victor's lap. Because he talked about it as a race. You know, he started to prepare his transition by telling the people that what's going to happen to him. Look what he says in 2 Timothy 4, 6 through 8. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6 through 8, he says this, For I am ready, I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Now look at this. He has seen the end. He has seen the heavens. Look at Stephen. Stephen said he saw the heavens open and he saw Jesus Christ. Remember the Ukrainian girl's letter into the United Nations or read in the United Nations? What did she say? She said, my mother is where? In heaven. That child has seen where the mother is. No different than what Stephen saw when he looked up in the heaven and he saw Jesus Christ on the right hand of the Father. This child, God has revealed to her that my mother is in heaven because that mother... We don't know, but we can see from what God has revealed to the child to give her comfort that that mother must have forgiven those Russians who killed her. Let me tell you, my friends, when you forgive, you take the sting out of death. When Jesus forgave at the cross, he took the sting out of death. That's what we need to do. That's what the Bible says. That's what Paul is telling us here that even all those who have loved his appearing, all those, not just for me, but also to all those who have loved what? His appearing. When you love the appearing of Jesus Christ and do the things he has called you to do, you take the sting out of death. That's what Jesus does. That's what taking the sting of death is. That's what he did at Calvary, okay? Now, Jesus' final victory over death. Jesus diluted the sting of death for us all. He took everything they threw at him without a word. They did not realize that even as they nailed him to the cross, he carried their own baggage, including ours, to be nailed on the cross. Jesus nailed it all on the cross for us all, including those same people. Jesus conquered death in order to expose and conquer evil and defeat the sting of death. He exposed the depravity of man's heart. As the Bible says that the human heart is inherently evil. Who can know it? That's what it says in the Bible. 
But Jesus took all that to the cross. He nailed it all at Calvary. In 1 Corinthians 15, um, 15, 52 and 55 and 58, it says this, In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on the incorruption and this mortal must put on the immortality. So when this corruptible has put on the incorruption and this mortal has put on the immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O hell, where is your victory? Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. That's how this resurrection day helps us to take the sting out of death so that when that day comes, so that when the trumpet is sounded, you who have gone before, we who may have gone before, will rise up with an incorruptible body because accepting Jesus Christ, we have joined him, like the Bible says, the scriptures that we have read, we have joined him to take the sting out of death. To us, it becomes a transition. Our assignment as believers is to carry this message of hope to all, especially those who are innocent recipients of human abuse, torture, depravity, and in every space of life. That's our assignment. Remember we read that? That's our assignment. So my friend, happy Resurrection Day. Happy Easter. Take the sting out of death. Forgive and move on. Go on our blog and read this material. It will bless you. Thank you for listening. I'm going to pray and may God bless you. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your goodness, for your mercy, for your love. We thank you, Father, that you have helped us to be who we are. We thank you, Father, that you have shown us in these uh, scriptures and these examples that we can take the sting out of death. Father, I ask you where I have not been clear that your spirit will go and clarify it. Put things together for my brothers and sisters who have listened to this message, to this podcast, that they may know that the sting of death, Jesus did it for us, but he also gave us a way to do it. Let them go and meditate on these scriptures, even as you gave them to me, how they have blessed me over and over again. Let them be blessed. Father, those who are on the so-called deathbed, let them turn it around and know this is a bed of transition by accepting the Lord Jesus Christ in their lives. Father, in the name of Jesus, strengthen them, Lord. And those who you want to get up to do some more work, help them to get up. Let them pray for wisdom for the doctors, the physicians, or whoever or whatever they need to get up and do the rest of the work. Let them, like all of us, at the end of our lives be like Paul and said, I have run the race. I have run the race. Each one of us those who are listening to me, I know they still got time. Even if it's one hour to go, Father, they still got time to run the race. In the name of Jesus, we thank you.
Amen.